Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom and SetApp. I'm Simone DeRochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, and woo. Christina, yeah, woo, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. How are we doing tonight? I'm feeling it. I have an Xbox. <laughs> I have a PlayStation 5. Uh, my analog is about to get here. Life is good. I think we're all truly drowning in tech right now. And that's actually a wonderful segue because we finally, I think two out of three of us have had hands on with the <laughs> iPhone 12 that is out now that everyone has access to. Um, and I know, Brie, you also have the new HomePod. So we're gonna just going to dive in and do a brief little uh, sort of a uh, reflection upon the new Apple products before we get into our big topics of the day, which are, of course, reviews of the the MacBooks with the M1 chip and then hands on with the PlayStation 5 and uh, a little, little segment on fleets, which will disappear from your podcatcher 24 hours <laughs> after recording. So I'll go super quick on these because we've got a big show today. Uh, so HomePod uh, Mini good buy it it doesn't sound quite as good as the uh overpriced home pod but it's solid siri works great everything that's good about the original home pod is there if you're looking for an easy way to have speakers that are compatible for your iphone around your house uh, for a hundred dollars is more than worth it uh definitely go buy it i also picked up a uh finally got airpod pros um Yay. these are excellent yes they i are. was so skeptical on these the 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 noise canceling them, is amazing. The noise canceling is 10 out of 10. The the mic quality to actually do conference calls and, and talk to people on the phone is really a good. million times better. It pairs more reliably. The sound Ooh. quality is better. This is a slam dunk. Do not buy the AirPods. Buy the AirPod Pros. They're much better. How close are we to a world in which I can just record this podcast with AirPods? No. Okay, no, no, you're not there. You're, no, you're not there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but it is better. It, in fact, actually, it's funny, Bree, because I was on a call earlier today, um, and I was having to use my um, iPad because my laptop wasn't working correctly with the program, which is an ongoing concern. Um, and the person on the other line, like, actually complimented me. He was like, "Oh, or what are those? Are those the AirPods?" And I was like, "Yeah, they're the AirPods Pros." And he was like, "Yeah, you sound great." Uh, and you know, usually when I'm on calls. I'm either wearing AirPods Pros or I'm talking into like a $700, uh, you know, mic uh, setup um, with with like a, you know, preamp and, and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. The, they're great. I got them for my mom for uh, her birthday and she loves Aww. them. So I'm glad you like them. Um, I also got the iPhone 12 Pro Max. I'm curious your kind of high level thoughts, Bree, since you also got it. Well, no, I, I talked to you. Go ahead and then I'll see what I agree with. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, so it's it's fine. Um, yeah. I do think that the the camera. Um, at, here's the here's the thing because I haven't tried the the regular iPhone 12 or the smaller iPhone 12 Pro. I don't know if the how universal the camera improvements are. If that makes any sense. I will say like the front facing camera, really big improvement, uh, really good. And I think that that matters even more now that all of us are having to, you know, like live on video calls. Um, it's, it's also kind of notable that, you know, they can put this amazing front facing camera in an iPhone in all the iPhones, but they can't do it in the, the laptops that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Um, I, uh, it's big. It's really big. I it's not too big, and I like having the chamfered edges back. 
but it's almost too big. Like, yeah. dang, uh, it's, it, it's, I don't know. Like it'd be one of those things. If I were, tra- if I were going around, if I were going out all the time, I would be a little bit concerned because of the size of it without getting a case. Um, because I'd be like, I'm going to drop it and break this Even thing. Even our size queen, Christina Warren feels I, this way. I know. I know. No, well, I mean, it, in fairness, I, the reason I feel this way is because I have to use two hands for even the smallest phone. So I'm like, might as well go all, so I might as well just go all out. But yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. I'm not like super, uh, in love with anything, but I'm also not super mad about anything. I do think the screen's really good. That's one yeah. thing I will say. I think the screen, like the higher resolution, whatever they've done, like the screen is really phenomenal. So that's my take. I completely agree with all of that. I'm I'm really close to taking mine back. Really? Um, I, it's, it's, you know, if you look at the actual math of how much this weighs, it, uh, it, it like as matter math is not that much heavier than the last version, but because like the, the curved edges of the 11, uh, the 11 pro max, it just makes it feel so much smaller in your hand for some reason. So the whole time you're holding this, it just feels like a, it feels heavy. It feels like a brick. It's not as comfortable as the last generation. And the screen is a little bit better. And I can tell a difference on the camera. Uh, in fact, I shot a video uh, to kind of compare the two. And the the color balance particularly is much, much stronger on the new version. But um, I, 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 I would not have upgraded this if I weren't in the loan program that mm. let me upgrade every year. Right. And I wish I were not in that program paying more because there was no reason to upgrade. You're making me feel better about my absolute tragedy of a life. Right. As, as <laughs> and my inability to tell whether I'm in the program or not. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I would say that too. I would say, look, if you're coming from an 11 Pro uh, pro max, like you, there's, you do not need to upgrade, nope. uh, nope. unless you're in the loan program. I am, I know myself, this is what I do. I'm always just going to be paying, you know, the monthly payments. So I'm fine with it. But if you're not committed to being a ridiculous person like me, I'm, I, I, I totally agree with Bree. Like if, yeah. if you, if you're coming from an iPhone 10, uh, or, or a 10 S maybe if you're coming from a 10, I do think this would be a good upgrade. If you're coming from a 10 S, it depends on what you value. Uh, if you're coming from an 11, no. And in fact, some battery life tests have actually shown that it, it's not as good as, as the 11 was, which was a beast. But yeah, um, cool. But that I guess that's Apple Corner. We're going to talk more about the PlayStations that everyone but me has later. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, then let us transition into our topic. All right. I'd like to welcome a very special guest to the show for our first topic today, and that is Henry T. Casey, editor at Tom's Guide, who has had a review unit of the MacBook, the M1 chip MacBook. I don't... Henry, do you have the Air or the Pro? I have the Air, and my review went up at the embargo this morning, and I am very proud of this accomplishment, I gotta say. Excellent. That's awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you. So yeah. we're here to grill you, basically. <laughs> grill away. Yeah. So when I talked to you last week um, a little bit, you uh, you you hinted that you might have something and that the results might be really good. And obviously, we've seen the benchmarks from uh, your review and from reviews from other places, and they are really really solid. Uh, what's what's kind of like your high level takeaway on on the on the laptop on the air? Um. This is both of the MacBooks. Um, I review the Air and our sister site, Laptop Mag, has put up its 
um, MacBook Pro M1 review, but the battery life is like Apple is being, I mean, they're not being modest. It's actually pretty close to their claim, but the MacBook Air lasted 14 hours and 41 minutes on our battery test, which makes it the longest lasting MacBook Air ever. And the MacBook Pro lasted about two hours longer than that. And wow. I think it was, it was like a 1632 for the MacBook Pro. And that's a web browsing battery test where the display is set to 150 nits of brightness. So that's and that beats the pants off of the both of the Asus ZenBook 13, which was 13 hours, 47 minutes and the XPS 13 at 1107. And that's a 1080p XPS 13 for the new Tiger Lakes. So, I mean, the performance, we're going to have a big conversation about that today. I'm pretty sure uh, mm -hmm. uh, the last episode suggested as much. But um, <laughs> I thought the battery life is a thing that is hard to really argue against because we use the same test for every single laptop. And when it's beating the tar out of the comp competition, <laughs> you have to give Apple some credit for at least getting that where it's an undisputable uh, benchmark test compared to, well, people will say, well, you're not, this is a Geekbench 5.2, not 5.3 in that conversation, which is delightful to have. Right. Yeah. I When I watched Marcus Brownlee's video, he said he was using it for four days he charged it up to 100% on the first day when he was unpacking it and then didn't plug it in for four days. And I think it, that was like 10 hours of use and it, it hit doing all his fancy tests and his stuff and it dropped down to 19%. That's nuts to me. Like as a person yeah. who, again, I'm <laughs> still in the 2015s and every two minutes I'm plugging in my MacBook. It I mean, less so with the 13-inch, but with the 15-inch, the it's a disaster. It's a total disaster, but I have to say, I have a, I have a two-year, well, three-year-old, uh, I have a 2017 uh, MacBook Pro 13, and, like, it doesn't last. Now, part of that is, I think, just the age of the battery and whatnot, but, yeah, like, it, it was pretty good, I guess, in its highlight, and I remember when I first re reviewed the very first uh, 2016 um, MacBook Pro with, with Touch Bar, getting really good battery life, but, like, these scores, especially, you know, in an Air, which is so small, is really impressive, especially when you consider, to, to your point, Henry, that the screen resolution on some of those other laptops, which have very good battery life, are a lot lower than um, than the resolution that the, the MacBook uh, Air and, and the Pro are putting out. And uh, yeah, just to talk, I'm, I'm talking off of a 2012 MacBook Pro Retina, the first Retina. That's I hold on to stuff as long as I can. And that's sort of why battery life matters to me, because I want this thing to have the longest battery for the longest amount of time. And mm -hmm. you can't upgrade a battery. You can replace one, although mm -hmm. with the way that you make these things, it's damn near impossible to do it without Apple's local geniuses. But I think that's a, a really good point. Like, it does say something to Apple that I'm still on a laptop that's five years old. Mm -hmm. um, and, and your point that, like, theoretically, these machines uh, with their <laughs> incredibly good batteries hopefully will last a similar length of time. Like, I think that's relevant. I want to briefly touch on what we talked about last week because I, we were quite, we were quite critical. Uh, we very much, well, we and were, I think we were fairly, skeptical. I think there's fairly, there's yeah. skeptical and critical. We didn't have facts yet. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have facts. Apple doesn't do numbers. And they were saying some things <laughs> that pretty much universally, everyone was like, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> we'll believe that when we see it. And now I guess we are kind of seeing it. Like this thing is wicked sort of. fast. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, and it, and I, I think Bree was right about graphics. 
Yes, Brie was right about graphics, but uh, let's go into that performance conversation that you yeah. mentioned, Henry. How's this thing performing for you? Um, anecdotally, um, I've been used to using the 2020 MacBook Pro um, and then or a 15-inch MacBook Pro from a few years ago that the, the office gave me. This thing replaced uh, the new MacBook Air with the M1 chip replaced those laptops for me without any issue. And I'm not seeing any differential. I'm not doing the intensive video editing or streaming stuff. That is what I'm really excited to see what other people have their reviews. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like my review would be the definitive. No, everybody's got different <laughs> cases. And the thing is, we, I need to see what other people say. But right now, if you just look at the Geekbench scores that are comparable, because we have Geekbench scores for the PCs that aren't 5.3 Geekbench. So uh, you've seen a lot of Geekbench scores for the MacBook Air online that are in the 7,000s. They're really high. The thing is, we, our comparable Geekbench scores were from 5.2 on the PC. And it's still in the air mm. again, beats them 5,900 or so from the air and the pro. They're around the same for both of them, interestingly enough. Um, but it beats the 5,000 plus from the Zen book and the 5,300 from the XPS 13, both of which have Core i7 Tiger Lake with 16 gigs of RAM, the same amount of RAM in this MacBook Air and Pro. And when it's beating on Geekbench, that's interesting. But let's go to the handbrake test where we transcode a 4, 4K video to 1080p. The Air finished at 9 minutes and 15 seconds. The Pro, 740, 7 minutes 44. And that's on a beta version of Handbrake that's optimized for Apple Silicon. Mm. How did that compare? Well, let's just talk about how Intel's MacBook Air from, you know, earlier this spring. Oh, by the way, Apple released two MacBooks Airs in the same year. What? That just feels weird <laughs> in general. Um, but it, those scores, ZenBook 13, 17 minutes, 51 seconds. XPS 13, 18 minutes, 22 and the MacBook Air Intel, 27 minutes, 10 seconds, whereas Apple's in it under not under 10 and under 8, respectively, for the Air and Pro. That like, part of your uh, review is really interesting to me because that's one of those programs that I use quite mm-hmm. often. <laughs> so anytime someone's like talking about like the premiere version, which is, of course, not optimized yet and who knows when it will be or something like Handbrake. Um, you have my attention. So I wanted to talk about something from from the reviews that have come out, which is uh, Rosetta 2. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we were very skeptical about last week was uh, graphical performance, right? Like integrated graphics very historically have had very bad performance. And uh, Dieter over at The Verge had a really shocking stat to me. Like this, this really, really stunned me. And uh, that is that after uh, Rosetta 2 had done its thing and they believe it goes through and recompiles the app as best as it can to run uh run on uh you know the m1 chip that he was able to get on macbook air with integrated graphics for shadow of the tomb raider which was three years ago very good game not the most graphically sophisticated game in the world but a good you know visually impressive game was able to get 39 frames a second steadily on a MacBook Air. And that's the moment that I really, I, I, I just put all my cynicism aside because that's, you know, that's mm. OpenGL. 
Right. That's the thick layer. That's Unreal Engine. That's not something that's that's specially modified to run on you know Apple's Metal. That is a traditional game running under Rosetta 2. So if we're getting that kind of performance, that just makes me think that this has to be the real deal. That was a shocking. I read I saw that in Dieter's review. That was shocking to read. And I had only uh tested Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is older, but mm-hmm. that was at native resolution, 2560 by 1600 at medium graphics. It looked great on the air. And mm-hmm. you're talking about a triple A game running beautifully on a MacBook Air. <laughs> well, Does that through, sentence sound like something that doesn't make sense? Farrell's like translation of it yep. right. because yep. Unreal doesn't run that well on nope. Mac. <laughs> None of this sounds real, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is really impressive. Although, I mean, I think we should point out for people like this is all the with these caveats, like these are really impressive things. The cynic in me will come back a little bit and and, and say, I'm not convinced that we're going to see a whole lot of games that are running uh, that the people are going to be taking from OpenGL to be running on metal. Like I'm not, I don't anticipate a big influx of that. I just don't. Nope. Um, uh, so I don't know how much use, you know, people will get from it, but it's, it's certainly really, really impressive. What I am curious about, basically every review that I read and, and saw was that the iOS app experience is garbage. Um, what's, what's your experience with iOS apps, um, on, on the MacBook Air? Um, I thought they were okay. I didn't come in expecting a whole lot. And I think that has to do something with my experience having tested Android apps on Chromebooks, right? Which comparatively is a garbage fire. Um, that is just the dirt worst. And that, <laughs> those apps are not actually running half the time. They're unstable. Whereas with these, the biggest problem is touch. Their apps are built for touch. And like I, I ran Among Us, which was on the iOS app game that I tried because <laughs> I wanted to see what the controls would be like, because that's a very uh, definitely a made for touch, not keyboard game, at least the way iOS and iPadOS are implemented. And it took a learning curve at first and it's weird, but I don't know if but that wasn't the big it wasn't really a huge problem for me. Uh, what was easy was that Overcast and HBO Max, both as they should, ran really well. And for me, HBO Max is a good proof case of why iOS apps on the Mac are interesting because save for offline for streaming services is actually a really great feature to have. You can't do that with a web browser. HBO Max doesn't have a Mac app. Like the only app that I know of on the Apple, on the Mac OS platform that you can save video for is the Apple TV app, which it's mostly if you're buying or subscribing to Apple TV plus. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Um. So, but but for, but from like a, I mean, okay. So you had some of those. I, what what other apps did you use? I'm just kind of curious because the the kind of the other kind of general experience I heard from people is just that it's fairly buggy. It's interesting that you say the HBO worked for you because one of the reviews I saw there were like there was an issue with the app. So I'm wondering if they updated the app uh, hmm. and and then it worked. They weren't able to get it in full screen. But I'm I'm glad to hear that you didn't oh, no, have no. that problem. Yeah. Full screen is the one thing that I didn't it didn't get to get into the review, oddly enough. Um, I should put that back in there. But full screen needs to be added for certain apps. And I would say HBO Max is definitely one. It was windowed only. And you can tell that, I think, in my review video um, where the overcast playing Rocket is an Easter egg. But um, <laughs> there is. But it's um, no, I didn't. Uh, those were the apps I was able to try because it didn't. Well, it's OK. Here's the funny thing about um uh, Apple Silicon Max 
they don't make it obvious in the app store that the Mac, that the um, iOS and iPadOS apps are there yet. You have to click on a little button that's kind of hidden that says iPad and iPhone apps to actually filter out not the Mac OS apps, but the iPad apps and iPhone apps. It just felt like kind of like they were almost in a way it's for people who are looking for them that they're there. Okay. It's not, they're not trying to confuse you. And I, I, so I didn't get that much. I'm going to be playing around more because I want to get more experience in these iOS apps on the desktop. But it's for right now, at least as proof of concept, here's the thing about the HBO Max app, I'll say. Um, I was on a Cisco WebEx call, which never fun, never a good experience. <laughs> but I was trying to push the experience, the push the uh, power of the MacBook Air. So I had a 4K uh, cooking video in in Chrome, uh, a dozen tabs or about 20 or so t- probably tabs in Chrome and Safari in addition to that 4K video, plus the WebEx call. And then those three iOS apps I mentioned earlier. And I put, I put on an Adventure Time episode during the call on mute because <laughs> I wanted to be pleasant. Um, and then everything was just running smoothly. And it was, I think I had a few more apps up in the background, uh, Google Docs for taking notes about the call. And it was just a very bug-free, like, I think during my entire testing of the MacBook Air, Chrome crashed once. And um, that was with a bunch of tabs open. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but if you're on a Mac and Chrome crashes once with like a lot of tabs, <laughs> that's just a normal Mac experience. Right. I didn't, I didn't, the uh, Rosetta 2 fied Chrome wasn't a problem, but I have, I need to do more iOS app testing. It. I wanted to say when I read your review and I saw, I read about you using the Overcast app, I got really excited and I was like, hang on, there's an Overcast app for Mac? And stupidly, <laughs> stupidly was like in the app store, like, where is it on my 2015 MacBook? And then I was like, oh, wait, no, this is the whole point. <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to ask, uh, you know, obviously many of the reviews have focused on, uh, you know, the, 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 the chip, the internal Rosetta 2, this whole transition to, uh, you know, uh, basically ARM chips. Uh, I've, I'm curious what your thoughts were on the screen, the keyboard, the other things that make a really good, uh, laptop. Is this any, does it feel like an upgrade over say the MacBook Air that came out earlier this year? Is it pretty much the same thing? Do you have any thoughts about that? It might be the exact same aside from like 1.0.1 inches on the length or the overall width, or whatever you want to call it, of the laptop, this might be the same exact, I mean, battery size is probably maybe different as well, because Apple doesn't share those details. But no, this might be the same exact overall MacBook, because the display numbers, we do a brightness and um, sRGB testing. It's interesting to look at the display numbers. Um, brightness is within, um, it looks like 20, 20 nits of brightness of 365 versus 386. And then sRGB, um, 1.3% differential on that. Um, And aside from that, it's the same exact MacBook Air that came out earlier this year. And I think for a lot of people, that's going to be great. Um, I think Apple's waiting to see what they're going to do with designing, redesigning these MacBooks. Mm -hmm. Their focus right now is on making sure they're running correctly and everything like that. But and to be I clear, think that, the MacBook Air, the one that came out earlier this year, that's the one where they finally fixed the keyboard, correct? Oh, yeah. yeah. Magic yeah. keyboard and the T, uh, the inverted T uh, directional arrows. 
Magic um, keyboard thing that works. It's magic. <laughs> no, the only magic, really magic keyboard is the iPad Pro one, and iPad Air. But yeah. no, it's a good keyboard that I would trust and not opt to using. I brought, I went to South by uh, in 2019. I brought an external keyboard with me just in case the keyboard in my work MacBook Pro broke. That's how little I trusted the, Safari, the butterfly keyboard. <laughs> right. The magic keyboard now, it's a, I, I think this is probably my fa- one of my favorite laptop keyboards aside from the old 2015 one. But, like, I compared it in my original review, like, as pleasant as Mario stomping on Goombas and bouncing on top of them. Like, I really like that keyboard. (laughs) Any final thoughts or questions for Henry? I guess uh, I'm curious. Did you run into any issues at all with Rosetta 2 and uh, in app incompatibility? And did you try any professional uh, pipelines, meaning video production, audio production, you know, running something through Photoshop? Did did you try anything like that with it or was it more email, web, stuff like that? Um, We do a Puget Bench uh, Photoshop test. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, the scores for that were pretty good. I don't think that's optimized, of course, because Photoshop is not, it's only Lightroom that will be optimized next month. But um, no, it really, it, and a lot of the benchmarks we did were um, on Intel based. Like, yeah, um, I, I've, I'm super skeptical of benchmarks just in general. But no, no, I, mean, I, know, I, know. I mean, like a, the experience of actually using a pipeline. Yeah. Um, I'm not as familiar with video editing. I've seen, um, I want to play, I want to try to get used to looking at it, but Final Cut, I believe, Final Cut Pro, there is a universal version that's available mm-hmm. now that I want to try to play around with. But um, for now, it's just uh, the scores on like Civ 6 uh, were really good. And also like I had 37 FPS at 1440 900 on the um, MacBook Air. And um, and then for the Puget Sound, Puget, Puget Bench Photoshop test, 653 but no i haven't actually done pipeline because i don't have that i wouldn't if you put me in front of one of those applications it would be a week before i knew what i was doing fair enough fair enough and that's i mean that's what the macbook air is marketed for right like that exact use case i'm just i'm curious oh, like, no. i would yeah. yeah yeah i have the same questions i will note and and a lot of this is going to change but i will note that uh homebrew for developers out there does not work with Apple Silicon yet, um, it, you have to go through Rosetta, and apparently homebrew? it is very what is this? Ho- homebrew. So homebrew is a package manager. So oh, if okay. you are wanting to install like you know theme, a lot of like CLI based stuff, so like command line interface tools. So if you are installing you know Docker, if you're installing Python, if you're installing um, a lot of other kind of developer tools, if you're installing other yeah. stuff, like honestly for for me like as like just both as a normal Christina end user and also for my day to day job, it's like an absolute essential must-have. Um, it mm-hmm. is not working right now because a lot of those packages, some of them will be able to be recompiled natively. Some of them will have to run through Rosetta, but that is is an issue. Um, from some of the other things I've seen, I haven't seen a ton of stuff in, in Premiere, but it it does look, uh, Deva 2D had um, one of his you know tests. It looked certainly promising. So we look forward to hearing more from you as, uh, as you play around with stuff, uh, Henry. But... Um, I think that a lot, some of this stuff is going to be a matter of like time before it comes out. Yep. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what stuff gets updated and what stuff doesn't. But it, at least it does seem like a lot of the high level promises um, have definitely been met, which is which is really good. Yeah. Just just one more thing I want to say. I was I was really surprised. Like over at the Verge, they are 
they're pretty skeptical of Apple. I think they're fair, but they are in general very skeptical. And I was really surprised that they very nearly gave the MacBook Air a perfect score. Yeah. So I think the the takeaway message with this is, I think, Christina, for people like you and I, I'm waiting for a true professional laptop, yep. one I can video edit on, one I can do 3D stuff on, and that you know, that will be the 16-inch MacBook Air when they eventually bring that forward. They don't have a laptop for people like you and I yet. Right. But I think the overall message, and Henry, correct me if I'm wrong here, it, it seems like the the transition to an entirely new you know, chip architecture, I think it's going to be pretty much flawless for most people. I would agree with that. I think um, we were talking last week about a case example, Aubrey, your, um, I believe, your mother-in-law, if I'm correct, was you were thinking of recommending this to her? Am I? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that I was thinking about my, my mom's next computer is going to be recently. She's got the last um, scissor switch MacBook Air as mm-hmm. her current MacBook. And it's it's good for her, but I want her to have a faster MacBook with a better screen. And I'm, I just look at this new M1 MacBook Air and I think like the, I think one of the few non Apple apps she uses is Microsoft Word. And like maybe GIMP, I'm not sure what she uses for photos these days, but like I think this laptop will be the easy, no questions asked recommendation for most, not most, but many MacBook um, shoppers. Um, I'm curious about what the 16 inch MacBook Pro is as well. I that's when I think they're waiting for other the the higher end apps to have universal binaries before they get to that point. I think I think Apple realizes that this is a dance they have to do kind of with partners at times they're of course they're coming out before universal apps are there for everything now for the air and pro 13 but this is there's only the intro level pro 13 like they've still got the higher end intel with the four thunderbolt ports yeah i think my biggest takeaway was that it actually has made me excited not for this year of new macbooks but for the new macbook that my company will hopefully buy for me (laughs) (laughs) a couple of years or something, or maybe, I mean, no, I'm on that iPad life now, hopefully crossing my fingers, but yeah, yeah, it may be, it made me hopeful about the future of being able to do video editing on a MacBook um, when that time comes. Thank you so much, Henry, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. So glad that you got to play around with this new machine. That's very exciting. Um, And where can people find you online if they want to do so? Um, If it's, a social network or any website, the words just Henry T. Casey all in a row, the two words and the initial, that's basically how to find me. I've um, made it pretty too easy, I think. But um, it's on all your inst- – I'll be sub-fleeting along with the rest <laughs> of the world um, using that using that name on Twitter. Awesome. All right. <laughs> you had all of us. Yeah, you had. Now, now you've lost us. <laughs> that was for Christina. That was yes, strictly for I, Christina. I, I, I invented, I, I coined one of the first to coin uh, the term subfleeting, but we'll talk about that more later. Thank you, Henry. <laughs> Have a good day. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on, Henry T. Casey. And thank you so much, Pingdom, which has brought you this episode of Rocket Pingdom from Solar Winds. Do you have a website? And does your website have a shopping cart, registration forms, or contact us pages? 
if you answered yes to these questions, you need pingdom. Nobody wants their <laughs> critical website transactions to fail, certainly not in this age of trying to buy PlayStations and Xboxes and everything else. It means a bad experience for your users and could mean lost business for you. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring will alert you when cart checkout, forms, and login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment any of these fail in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted, depending on the severity of the outage. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you will be the first to know. It is super easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code ROCKET at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thank you so much to Pingdom from Solar Winds for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, let's talk about some PlayStations that we finally <sighs> have. Yo, it's Shut so up. good having a PlayStation, Simone. We are we are the one percent. We are the one percent this week. And yes. truly, who do, who do we owe it all to, Brie? Ourselves. Ourselves and our own <laughs> perseverance. <laughs> Our own willingness to Rugged believe. individualism, yes. I feel. That's... We pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. <laughs> okay. So, so what happened last week? I, I decided I was going to get the PlayStation 5. Christina had already found one for Brie, and it was supposedly being shipped out. Um, I, I tried. I tried really hard to get a PS5, y'all. And... I, I I fail. I threw myself at Walmart. I threw myself even at Target. I threw myself at Ant Online. I threw myself at the PlayStation Station Direct queue over and over again. And every time was met by, by nothing, by things being sold out, being unavailable, being out of stock. And what did Christina Warren do? <laughs> Christina, what did you do? I got... <laughs> I got three of them on Friday or on Thursday <laughs> on release day. When I say what do you, what did you do? I want you to release your hacks. Tell us what bot you implanted into your brain. Okay, so uh, I don't know. I think that it, because it was my birthday, I, I think that I was both really committed and really lucky. Um, and I'll, I'll give about equal like preference to both. So just like a flashback, I had been up most of the night and I took most of the day off on Thursday. I was supposed to take the whole day off and then I wound up having to work half of it, but that was a whole other thing. And I was kind of waiting for stuff to drop because as we discussed last week, I wanted one for myself as well. And, um, they start to kind of, you know, Walmart has their first drop. I, I fail. Uh, then there's other things coming and going. I'm failing. Then GameStop, I failed. It took an L I think at target because they had some for in-store, uh, a pickup that you would buy it online, totally failed. I think best buy, like I was just failing all over the place. And then Costco had a bundle. <laughs> uh, well actually no first PlayStation had a, a, a queue and PlayStation direct. And I didn't get the PlayStation the night before, but I was able to get a controller and Spider-Man ultimate launch edition. Great. <laughs> um, it, it would be great except that then at like, 9 a.m. Pacific, Costco had, or 8 a.m. Pacific, Costco had bundles, which included an extra controller oh. and Spider-Man 
um, uh, you know, ultimate launch edition. So now I have to return the ones I got from Sony, but I was able to get in. I'm a Costco member. I joined, I paid like my 60 bucks a year or whatever. I joined Costco so that I could try to get into switches earlier this year. Never wound up doing that. Haven't actually gone into a Costco all pandemic, but thanks to that whole thing, I did get a bundle. Here's the downside. It won't ship until the week of the 23rd. But at the time I was like, but, but at the time I was like, okay, well, at least I have one now let's go and let's try to get Simone one. Let's try to get some other people one. Well, Kelly Bourdais, my, my former coworker, and, and she was the editor, uh, there while I, I was there, uh, she's now at, uh, CNN, um, her birthday, uh, was this week and she really wanted a PS five and she was striking out and I was able to hit ant online, uh, our, our favorite place. And they had a bundle. It was slightly different from the bundle Brie had, but they had a bundle and I hit it before Wario 64, which is the account that everybody should follow for alerts. I managed to find that Ant Online had it in stock before Wario did. In fact, I don't even know if he sent out an alert, but I got online. I saw that it was there. I uh, was, was DMing with her. She basically said she already wanted a bundle. I didn't have total confirmation, but I just went ahead and, and, and bought it and had it shipped to her. And then she was, she was taken care of. Um, uh, then it was time for you. And I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get one for you, but I'm not giving up. Will lightning and strike then, twice? Third, three times, really. Because at this point, I'd already sold one for myself and Jeez. one for Kelly. Then I somehow, there was another PlayStation Direct queue. I was on, I was in the queue on two different devices. And somehow on one of the devices, I was in faster. And because I bought the controller and the game the night before, my credit card information was already saved and whatnot. Oh. And so I mean, I managed to get in um, and get it shipped to Simone. And then here's, here's the real killer part of this. This is Thursday. This is like Thursday night uh, at this point because Walmart has been ultimate fail zone. In fact, I think plenty of people were like trying with Walmart. And I, I was like, I'm, I, I was done with Walmart after the first attempt. I was like, I'm not going here anymore. This is bad. And um, I managed to uh, get through in the queue, get you a PlayStation. And because I'm a PlayStation Now subscriber, you got free express shipping, which means that Simone's was the last one I ordered. I ordered it, you know, Thursday night, um, Eastern time. Uh, It shipped out like the next day. You got it Saturday. Yep. Right. (laughs) You got it Saturday. Brie got hers on um, a Tuesday. I'm not going to get mine. I got Monday. I just got a Monday. Not be here. Right. Okay. You didn't open until Tuesday. Okay. So you got yours Monday. Kelly Mm -hmm. got hers Tuesday. I'm not going to get mine until probably the end of next week. Um, uh, the, the one that I got from target that I got originally, that kid got that one finally today. So the moral of the story is you, Simone got your, got hers first, even though it was the last one I ordered and, uh, I will somehow get mine. Um, sort of a tortoise (laughs) and hare situation. And also just just to show you that Christina is a true American hero and we should appreciate you. Happy birthday, queen. (laughs) Okay. Either that or this is some karmic. Yeah. Like, it's like a karmic tale about greed. <laughs> <laughs> greed? I, I, I feel like other people. Yeah, I, I feel like we should saying, be punished. Like you you buy so much tech stuff and then the one that you really want. Oh, I don't I know. know. Wow. Yes, there we go. Uh, look, there, it's just, it's just, <laughs> I, it, look, the irony has not been lost on me. It's been, it's been like cracking me up because I was yep. like, I, you both have been able to enjoy it. Now I want to hear all about it and and why I should. Uh, it's so good. It's, it's so very good. You're good. really missing out. You're genuinely <laughs> missing out. So cruel. Okay, Bree, why I, don't you give us your first impressions? Well, I feel like I can. I mean, 
you work at Polygon, so you've probably played both a lot. Uh, so I don't want to say I'm the only person here with the experience of playing the Xbox Series X and the PS5. You but absolutely I mean, are when it comes to me because I, I don't have, have access to them because I don't have an office. <laughs> Well, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, Well, I've played both extensively. And the bottom line is the Xbox Series X, well, the Xbox Series S is a much better deal. I think for most normal people that are, you know, they like games, but they don't live and die by games. I think that in Games Pass is a better deal for the majority Mm -hmm. of people. But y'all, I gotta tell you, like the new Xbox is a Honda Accord. The new PlayStation 5 is a freaking Ferrari sitting in your garage. The controller is so much better. The UI is better. It is It is truly a first-class experience. Interesting. I don't think I've seen the uh, Xbox Series X UI. Are they still doing... It's the same. The, it is the same? Okay, thank you. That answers my question. Um, my most hated enemy <laughs> in the whole world... Um, so I can't compare it to the Series X or the Series S. Uh, I do absolutely 100% agree that the Series S is, as I told my mom on a Zoom call this weekend, the best deal in gaming right now. Um, but I can compare the PlayStation 5 to the PlayStation 4 and holy cow. <laughs> I I booted up, I, I have Assassin's Creed installed right now and I have Astro's Playroom installed right now, which is the pack-in game that is kind of intended to show you how to use the DualSense controller and show off basically what the machine is capable of. Um, I booted up Valhalla and it was loading. It was on that load screen that they have, which is a dynamic load screen where your character is in this void um, standing on water and you can make them run around, but it's just a load screen. Like you're not going anywhere. It doesn't make them go faster. Um, it's just to keep you busy (laughs) so that you don't put the controller down and go get snacks. So the load screen popped up and I was like, load screen. I see how it is. All right. So much for the next generation of consoles. And then the load screen went away and I was like, what? (sighs) It, it, I swear to God, I have not timed it yet because I wasn't about to go boot up the PlayStation four again and listen to it scream at me. But it ju- it felt like it was at least halved in time, um, which is absolutely wild. I also figured out how to turn HDR on my TV, <laughs> so that was <laughs> nice. good. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of in terms of performance from the small, admittedly small amount of time that I've spent with it, um, and with a game that launched basically so that it could be timed for the Series X and PlayStation Five launches, which is Valhalla, uh, thing powerful. And it also is completely silent so far. I've heard some people have been having issues with the disk drive. I have yet to use a game with a disk in it. But uh, when it comes to uh, install times for Assassin's Creed, when it comes to loading that game, and also when it comes to transferring my data from the PlayStation 4 to the PlayStation 5, that thing is wicked fast. Yep. Yeah, it took mine about five minutes to copy over my entire, like, pack to the gills PlayStation yeah, 4. Yeah, what is um, up with that? <laughs> yeah, it was really fast. Um, I want to touch on something you said about getting HDR uh, turned on your TV. Every color for your existing games with the PlayStation 5 is so much more vibrant. I don't know what kind of post-processing they're doing with this, but everything just pops. I played so much Resident Evil 3 because I'm one of the fastest speedrunners in the world at it, and it is the frame rate is so much smoother. The colors are more beautiful. It just 
it is a drastically, drastically better experience. So the colors are better, but we've got to talk about the controller. So, so uh, bundled with the PlayStation 5 is a, a demo called Astro's Playroom. It starts off with this, um, with this demo to kind of teach you how the DualShock works. And I want to tell you about something magical that happens. Yeah. Each one of the triggers has a force feedback motor in it, like a, a steering wheel. So think like you could just turn a normal wheel and there's no friction with it. Or if it's a car wheel, like it will give you variable feedback, right? And the most uh, expensive $300 force feedback steering wheels will give you different levels of feedback depending on how fast you're going. That is baked into every single uh, DualSense controller. And it has a fine-tuned uh, R trigger. So if you're playing Call of Duty, the snap to like uh, zoom in and fire has a different feel than like Astro's Playroom where it's like a jetpack firing. And it is it is magical. It is absolutely magical to do this and to hear the noise and to feel the vibration in each of your hands. There's like this zipper part to the to the demo where you you move up and you feel each little tang vibrating mm-hmm. as you move mm-hmm. it up on the pad. It is it just makes every other controller you've ever played with feel like a Fisher Price toy. I mean, am I right, Simone? I I agree. I was initially concerned about the size of it because it's a bit bigger than the DualShock 4 and I was like, "Uh, my hands, my little hands." Uh I actually really like the way it fits in my hands. I think Christina will probably have a different experience, which is kind of unfortunate because as you said, Bree, right. the controller freaking rules. Um, my experience with the, the way that it, it does feedback, I notice in Astro's Playroom, the controller will vibrate differently in your hands, depending on what surface Astro is running on. Like it will feel different in your hand, whether the character is running on grass or running on stone, um, or another surface water, water is the other surface that I remember specifically, um, and I th- I thought that that was just such an amazing touch because it's not something that you would necessarily that would that screams out to be noticed like HDR does. It's just this thing that will eventually seep into the background. Um, but it's just another way that games can really give you feedback and make you feel immersed. Uh, and I really really liked that. Um, when when I'm playing Call of Duty, yeah. it is it is amazing because like think about we've all done that thing where you you pull the left trigger to zoom in and the right mm-hmm. trigger to fire. Yeah. It feels it feels like you're pulling an actual trigger now, and it sounds like a small thing, but it does because it's like you pull the trigger and it's the it's it's loose at first and then you're hitting that wall and it's a lot of resistance and then it just breaks through it and feels snaps. so meaty like it, yeah. it feels substantial and it feels really well made yeah. um yeah I, I really loved it i think i said whoa out loud when i when it did the <laughs> adaptive uh trigger uh mm-hmm. tutorial in astro's playroom so I I totally am 100% with you on the controller. I love it. I also love um that's it's a USB-C connector, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that means I have a cord that I can charge my Switch with now besides the one in the dock. Yeah, this is the thing that annoys me about the Xbox uh is that it's it's not USB-C. Um the 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 charge in the battery is, but um uh at least unless I'm mistaken, I think it's still USB-A on uh the the device itself which little bit frustrating because most of my stuff has gone to C. So mm-hmm. um, 
I will say I like the PS4 controller and I especially like my my Rose Gold one. I do like the Xbox uh, controller better. So I'm looking forward to trying out the PS5 controller since you've been raving about it. That's interesting because that's a pretty chunky one, isn't it? I mean, they, they, the Xbox, you know, uh, one S whatever, you know, one X, whatever controller it is. I mean, that's, that's a decent, that's mm-hmm. pretty refined. Um, okay. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the, it's the same Xbox controller basically since the Japanese Xbox controller, you know, came out in, in 2002 that they've just continued to refine and make better and better. I did like the PS4 controller a lot. I think I like the Xbox controller better, but, um, I, I am interested in, in hearing the experience this, this haptic feedback i am a little concerned about the size yeah i won't lie i'm I think a little concerned fair. but I'm, I'm also really excited well it's gonna have to be a bigger controller to a fit that mm. technology in it but i'm i'm really worried about battery life because the playstation 4 famously had very mm-hmm. poor battery life with the speaker going off all the time this is that times 10 Oh yeah, so, I for- we should talk about that, shouldn't we? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I'm very curious. I haven't played it enough to to know. Have you had it run out yet, Simone? I have not yet. Okay. Uh, but I've had it plugged in a fair amount, um, and mm-hmm. my sessions have been pretty short so far. Uh, so as Bree mentioned, the a lot of noise coming out of the controller. So yeah, there's a speaker built into the controller, which is also true on the DualShock Four. But um, Astro's Playroom, because it's a Sony like first party game intended to show off the platform and everything the plat that games on the platform can take advantage of in the hardware. It uses um, sound coming from the speakers and the controller a lot, um, which was shocking to me at first. I was like, "What's happening, man?" Um, yes. So as Bree said, there there's a lot. I think more uh, sound coming out of the controller at least in this game than there would be in like your standard game i didn't notice anything in assassin's creed valhalla i don't know if they're taking advantage of it yet um but that would be something that would impact the battery life i imagine i will keep an eye on it and that can be something we come back to when christina gets a chance to play with it can i do can i do one more plug of a game before we move on of course i gotta tell y'all the new Call of Duty is so. I was going to ask about this. Amazing! It is so good. It is. It is okay. So, I listeners, don't write me, don't tweet me, calling me a Reagan voter because I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I would never vote for Ronald Reagan. But it's just something about after four years of hell with America to go back to like one of the opening scenes you're in there and Ronald Reagan walks into the room and he's sending your black ops crew on this, on this, this mission and lawyers are like, no, you need plausible <laughs> deniability, Mr. President. And then your guy's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, this could be an illegal mission. And you're like, Every mission we do is illegal. And it's just, <laughs> it's so stupid and over the top. And like, you're, you're, you're killing everything in sight. And you're like, yeah, America. I love America. We're the best country ever. It's got the 80s soundtrack. It is the worst game. I absolutely love it. And I okay. recommend it. Oh, yes. Okay. So, so I've been looking forward to playing this. Okay. Cause, cause, he, yeah. cause here's my thing. Now that I'm going to have like both the PS5 and the Xbox, I'm assuming Brie, you're going to be playing most of your stuff on the PS5. Um, yeah, that's correct. Okay, because if I want, so if I want to play Call of Duty with you, I'm going to have to get the PS5 version. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Assassin's Creed. I don't really care about that as much. So maybe I'll get Assassin's Creed for the Xbox and get um, 
Call of Duty for the PlayStation. Why huh. are you choosing? <laughs> I mean, well, because well, because I don't, I don't, I don't want to like. There's so much Xbox good not stuff. Be used. There's so much good stuff on Game Pass. Like just yeah. default and and get the cheap out-of-date stuff on on the xbox yeah. and then play the good modern stuff on the ps5 i mean i did get the i did get yakuza uh, yeah. uh for oh. xbox uh, series x and that's really good uh i want to briefly touch on yakuza's coming out for xbox it's that... already out on xbox oh. yeah it's on okay. series x it's, it, it, cool. it's a time dated exclusive so it won't be on ps5 until the spring oh that's the opposite of what i thought cool anyway mm-hmm. um the home screen i just want to briefly touch on this uh no there's a few things i want to touch on the home screen uh, now, instead of just having, I, I haven't changed it to a custom background yet, if I can do that, but it automatically will have like ads for games you can play or buy on the home screen. Not a huge fan of that. I kind of like that to be my space. Um, they've changed up. If you're super used to putting your PlayStation to sleep, they've changed that up a little bit. Um with like that, that window doesn't pop up on the side that you can navigate anymore. There's um set some settings are in a bar that pops up on the bottom and that's where you go to put it to sleep and it's all the way on the opposite side of the screen from the home part which is kind of frustrating and then the other settings are kind of difficult to access in through a menu that's like at the top of the the home screen and i'm still kind of getting still kind of wrapping my brain around like what's down there and what's up there because like the volume for the dual sense uh is really easily accessible with a button press uh like when you're in a game or something you just pull up that little menu at the bottom and go lower the volume or raise the volume which i thought was great um but then it was a little more difficult for me to navigate to the other settings um that i might access so i'm gonna play around with that a little more and think I about 100% it 100 agree with yeah. that by the way then the only criticism i would have of the the dual sense controller is instead of it being a, a button in the middle, it's now a PlayStation logo that's shaped like a PlayStation logo. It just doesn't feel mm-hmm. satisfying to hit that home button. Yeah. So I, I think the home button, like I'm sure I'll get used to the menu, but um, I, I agree with your criticism of that basically. Yeah. My final thought is uh, there's no HBO app for it yet. which means oh that's a fail do i have a a roku that i can't play hbo on a playstation 5 that i can't play hbo on and a nintendo switch that i can't play hbo on yes i do so i for now am keeping my playstation 4 hooked up this episode of rocket is brought to you by set app there's an app for everything these days some of them are excellent and others not so much a great way to discover new quality apps and get all the tools you need to be successful and productive is by using SetApp, a subscription for Mac apps. SetApp packs over 200 apps into one. There's an app for almost any task, so you can stay in your flow and finish what you started. And now you can take your projects to your iPhones and iPads with support for iOS companion apps for your Mac favorites like Ulysses, Todo, Todo, and TaskHeat. SetApp has a dedicated curation team that only selects the highest quality apps, which means you don't have to spend time searching for great tools. And it's such great value. Instead of paying thousands of dollars for separate app licenses, you pay just one flat monthly fee. New apps are added regularly, updates are free, and all the apps are their full-featured pro versions. 
Head over to setapp.com to try SetApp free for a week. And if you like it, pay just $9.99 per month for as long as it's useful to you. And it will be. Once again, go to setapp.com to see how it fits into your workflow. Thank you so much, SetApp, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. And I just want to add, I have been a setup user since it launched. And okay, like, Christina. It, no, it, no, no, no. But I'm saying this genuinely. Like, this is the first time I believe that they've sponsored us. It is one of my favorite services and one of the services that like I get the most value from, period. Like, that's, that's awesome. not part of the sponsored read at all. That's just me genuinely saying it, I probably get more value out of that than than almost any other thing that I pay a recurring monthly payment for. She's breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> We're out of the we're out of the sponsored read. What do we do? I know. I'm just saying. Genuinely, it's like one of my favorite things. So, we go into we dessert. Go. That's we do. what we do. Oh, it's a good one this week. It mm-hmm. is. Oh, time for discussion. So Twitter today started rolling out something that they are calling fleets, which are tweets that disappear after 24 hours. Lightning reaction round. Bree. Uh, I am a fanatical extremist anti-fleeter. <laughs> Gizmodo called it coward mode, and I agree. <gasps> Christina. Uh, yeah, I think the only way that it's good, A, okay, two two thoughts. One, the UX is terrible. It's slow and buggy, and I'm not a fan. The bigger thing is uh, the only way I think it's good is, yeah, it is coward mode, but it, if you want to subfleet things, that's what I'm calling <sighs> it, that where you don't want to get in trouble you know, like you don't want people to threaten your job or your livelihood, but you still want to make a comment on something. Yeah, I think it's good for that. The thing is, every time you subfleet, you do have to pay Christina a licensing fee. That is true. And I hear it's pretty hefty. Eh, eh, yeah, kind of. She so, has to finance all her PlayStations. I do. I do. I have to I have to finance I have to finance my business. So uh I I will say that. But uh no, I mean honestly, uh I'm kind of who asked for this? That is, that's my reaction. I, I have a, a use question. case for it, um, which my coworker Pat pointed out. And that's that when we do Twitch streams, uh, which we're trying to do on a weekly basis, like this is the use case for that. It's like, hey, tune into our Twitch stream. And then after 24 hours, that tweet's not there. So people aren't like seeing a, a dead link essentially to a Twitch stream that's not happening. Like, oh, that's actually great. Um, however... No, I I don't think that I would use this. And Twitter already has a very vibrant culture of screenshotting tweets. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where we get into some of the interesting uh, points about this. So former Polygon intern Palmer Hash, writing for Insider, um, wrote about basically how this Twitter has created yet again another potential vector for harassment. And uh, one of the points that she brings up is that this already does happen with people screenshotting tweets. So even if you delete a tweet, someone might have screenshots of it. Right. But the difference with fleet uh, is that somebody can re-fleet your tweet without notifying you, but that will have a hard link to your account. So instead of a screenshot, which is kind of disconnected, um, the fleet is a way for somebody to see something you've said and go, hey, screw that, click, and go in. It's a retweet, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's but a then retweet, if you... but it, 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 it's, it, it's a retweet, but it's hidden. Yes, yes. 
can and I I 100% agree with that, and I want to talk about the the harassment thing some more. I, I do want to jump back to what Christina was saying. Who asked for this? And the answer is it was uh, reported earlier this year that Jack Dorsey, uh, the CEO of Twitter, very narrowly avoided getting ousted by a bunch of uh, investors that came in and demanded this feature. <sighs> among other things. So this <laughs> seems to be one of these features that Twitter has developed for political reasons more than anything else. Why would investors want this? Because they see the success of TikTok and Instagram and yep. they want to have revenues be that way, even though, frankly, well, because Twitter they're divorced from reality. Well. Right. Because, because they were, you know, uh, they got on. Yeah, exactly. They, they bought up stocks so they could try to get control over the company. And yeah, yeah it, it, it's yeah. I mean, I will say I understand the point about the harassment thing. And I, I don't want to discount that except to say that I don't think I would say this, although I'm not a big fan of, of fleets. So I, I mean, I don't really care either way. I'm kind of blase about it. Uh, I, I don't know who asked for it. I think that it's kind of like uh, how they had voice tweets for a while and then those are gone. Like, I don't really think this is going to be a long lasting mm. thing if we're being honest. Yeah. I do. I do have to say, I don't really think that this is going to make harassment any worse than it already was, to be totally no. honest. Oh, no, I don't think it'll make it worse. I, the the only I the thing that I think makes me uncomfortable about it is that unless somebody if you make a fleet that is. I, I think to your what you were saying earlier, Brie, like tweeting the thing or no, Christina, tweeting the thing that you don't want to get fired for. People can still screenshot your fleet. Yeah, of course they can. And, yeah, it, it just it, it feels well, yeah, but, very. But, but, but of course they can. The, the, what, my my uh, rationale around that and I even like put in, in a fleet about this. I was like, oh. of course, you know, I, I was like, oh, if you screenshot this, I was like, yeah, but good luck proving that. Because honestly, that's the thing. Like. If I make a fleet, because it's incredibly easy in all these services to make them say whatever you want, mm -hmm. but a fleet disappears. So I, I don't care if you have a screenshot. Like if you, if you, and, and even if you have a recording, even then I'm going to like have questions about the viability. So if it were my job and somebody were trying to get me fired for something I said in a fleet, the very first thing I would be like, prove it. Mm -hmm. Honestly, yeah. e even if I 100% sent it, prove it. Like, and a screenshot's not proof. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I, I do think sometimes with harassment, when when you report something like a death threat, and if the user uh, deletes it after the fact, it's sometimes hard for Twitter to act on it because mm -hmm. they will send the report back and said this content has already been deleted. Right. Uh, so that can make it more difficult. But Twitter has gotten much better about that. So I think that takes care of that use case. The, the one thing I would say for this is, uh, you know, I'm thinking about the jokes of the day. Uh, on Twitter and how this could be helpful for it. Like yesterday with uh, Candace Owens, who was oh. posting that ridiculous thing. Oh, well, she, went, she about, went after the wrong fan base. Yeah, Right, wrong fan base and like, oh, men and Marxism and all of this and society needs strong men. And everybody was like quoting her tweet and putting a mm -hmm. picture of a ridiculous thing there. And I did that with Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. And, you know, it's it's a joke. But then I started getting these, these messages like, Brie, why are you going after these people like why are you 
like bashing Marxists on Twitter. It's like, no, I'm, I'm going after Candace Owens and, and Ben Shapiro. So I could see something like that. That's not going to be funny in 24 hours. You are so get there. So right, right yeah. about that. The yes yeah. jokes age so quickly on Twitter that it, you're absolutely right that that is the use case to be able to like participate in the conversation, but then have nobody know. <laughs> Well, have it not be like someone reading it like a year from now out yeah, of context exactly. and yeah. be no, like, oh, look at this tweet from Brianna. She hates like Marxists. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. And I am in favor of the ephemeral nature of it. OK, here's the one. And 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 honestly, like I can see that as the use case. That was kind of what I said in my first like kind of, you know, mini like like fleet story thing. I was like, OK, I can, I can see this. But in that case, it should be two hours. It should be a two hour time limit on the tweet because that's how fast those jokes age. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you on that. Here's the one thing that I really can't stand, though. And um, especially for anybody who has open DMs, which God bless you, I do not. But but if you follow a lot of people, but but even if you don't like, you know, um, whenever anyone responds to your fleet, it come even if it's a reaction emoji, it comes through as a DM. Mm-hmm. Uh, that what? which is which yes so so it's so it's horrific so you send out something so if you make a really viral fleet uh yeah better hope that that you know you don't want to be inundated with dm notifications because your dms are going to be blown up it's just like instagram stories but the thing where i think it's different is that instagram didn't have direct messages until basically the exact same time that stories came out so the behaviors were kind of linked to me whereas dms have been part of twitter i think is one of the very, very first features that Twitter ever introduced. Mm. And we see DMs as different. So I don't want my DMs getting like gunked up or clogged up because no way. I, 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 I made some fleets. And on the same token, I don't want to respond to somebody's fleet the way that I would, you know, an Instagram story or whatever, and then clog up their DMs because like, who wants that? So I, I feel like if they are going to actually invest in this and not just this wasn't just something that they did in a hackathon project to get the investors off of Dorsey's back that they need to have a different notification way because I do not want like I I will not use this if every single time someone responds or reacts to something that I wrote I'm going to get notified in my DMs about it I'm just not yeah 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 okay well any final thoughts about fleet before we go into what we're doing that's it. <laughs> that's it. I mean, I mean, I'm just again. Why? As but. the kids say, that's it. Uh, Bree, what are you doing this week? Uh, I'm having knee uh, surgery on uh, Monday to repair a uh, torn cartilage, uh, so I could be very high on oxycontin the next time I talk to both of you. I'm gonna come to your house and unplug all your electronics <laughs> and hide your microphone. <laughs> I, you know, I, it's, it's a, I get off this stuff so fast because yeah. it's like, I realize it's addictive to some people. It just makes me feel like crap. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I will taper off it by the time we record, but uh, awesome. yeah, that's, that's going to be my week. All right. Uh, Christina, what are you doing this week? Uh, I am doing um, some uh, work. Oh, good news. My Herman Miller replacement chair will finally be here. <gasps> what? On- I believe on Thursday they will be finally getting me my replacement chair and picking up the old one. So it's only been four months. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, and um, I, I don't know, just uh, I'm going to be counting down the days until I can actually play my PlayStation 5. I'll have to make do with my Xbox, which is actually really fun. 
and yeah, just, just, you know, doing some work stuff with, Oh, uh, I, I was on campus yesterday for the first time in forever, uh, preparing for something I'm shooting in December and I found Clippy. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love this. Yeah. I found the Clippy costume and, uh, it was pretty awesome and we might be doing things with that. So you took all these great pictures. You need to like <laughs> put them great. all together. It was so amazing. It's like you hanging out with Clippy. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, God, I, I wish I, that I, were I, me. I know. So I'm, I'm going to be thinking about ways that I can bring more Clippy content into my life. That's what I'm doing this week. All right. I uh, think you should just like convert it into like a, a COVID mask situation. Yes. <laughs> and then you can go out and experience the real world, Christina. Oh my God. Clippy and oh. you will be safe. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. That's actually a really good idea because it's a costume. That's actually a really good idea for a video. Do it. Cl- a clippy like down uh, in the streets of Seattle. That's actually a really good idea. You can video. you can put on like a a, a, a a real full respirator underneath it, and no one will be able to see it. And like mm-hmm. you can go to a movie, like you can go, <laughs> you can go party at the club. You know, you can be clippy. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, I will just be enjoying my PlayStation Five this week. That's pretty much. All that's on my schedule. I'm taking it easy. Um, hey, Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter machine at uh, Brianna Wu. And if you want to support Rebellion Pack, helping to make sure uh, we take back Georgia, you can do that by going to helptherebellion.com. All right. And Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Uh, and uh, yeah, don't subplete me. I mean, actually, you can't. I don't <laughs> care. Uh, uh, and you can find my videos for work at YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. Uh, right. Oh, you can also Ooh. listen to the final episode yeah. of the podcast series that I was doing uh, with, a, with a T-Brand and, and um, Verizon. Um, this one is all about um, the future of cities, and it's pretty interesting. And uh, that, that airs uh, this week. So check that out. And you can find me on Twitter at doomquasar and at youtube.com slash polygon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. It is reviewable on Apple Podcasts. Uh, so if you care to do so, please do that and share it with a friend if you think that they would be interested in giving it a listen. That helps us grow and thrive. Thank you so much. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>